0: Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I really hope that you have enjoyed the theme of uh, this weekend, Back to Basics. I guess we wanted to ask the question, what sort of leader will help take the church through this transition? And we really feel the answer is one that does the basics of discipleship with integrity and the power of the Spirit. So I hope you feel really inspired again to sort of build your relationship with Jesus and consistently put him first, tear down idols in your life, seek him in prayer, seek him in scripture, seek purity, be salt and light in the workplace, all sort of the basics of what it is to follow Christ. And we're going to look today at what that... um, sort of manifests itself as we do that together. So I guess, excuse the football analogy, but in the, yesterday we spent all our time working on fitness, ball control, heading, tackling, dribbling, and in effect, you know, we, we've, we've spent time looking at those specialisms. But this morning I want to talk about how we play as a team. I want to talk team tactics. Um, Mosaic is not just made up of individual... Brilliant players, but it's often the team of sort of quite average players that really play for each other that can often end up beating a team of gifted individuals. And uh, someone had a picture this morning uh, of an orchard full of fruit ready to be picked, and he said the the worst thing we can do is just go as individuals and try and pick the fruit and carry all the fruit ourselves. But what we need to do is form one of those human chains. You know and so you 've got some people picking other people carrying other people harvesting, and um, I, I just think that 's a great picture of what we 're trying to do this morning actually so I, I want to talk about what does our life together look like in true friendship. As Christians, uh, I guess theologically, the reason we love friendship is that God is a relational God. Father, Son, and Spirit, three but one in perfect relationship and unity with one another for all eternity. So God doesn't make us um, because he's lonely. Rather, the Bible says God made man and woman in his image. And part of this is that we're built for friendship. The first thing that wasn't good in the Bible is that man was alone. Why wasn't it a good thing? It's because it didn't show the world how good community life was. And it sounds perfect in Eden, and it was. And you know the story. Genesis says that sin enters the world into human history, and mankind rebels against their friend, God. And through sinning against God, they separate themselves from God, but also it leaks into their relationships with each other. And so it results in anxiety and insecurity and mistrust and hurt and separation and all of us know that experience of all those things in our relationships, and so as a result, even though all people want to commit to each other, no matter how hard they try, sin is the root of the problem. Are you guys okay there? Are you like stuck? Do you not know what to do? You're right. Oh, okay, you're just listening. Okay. Why didn't you come and sit down and we'll watch you sit down again? Yeah. There is space here, but I think they're okay there. I just... Oh, they're getting better at it. Well done. Um, So theologically, sin is at the root of our problems uh, in relationship. Um, But also culturally, I think we are moving away from depth and commitment in our friendships and experience of community and the pressures of time and money, uh, the impact of TV, actually, uh, a generation is increasingly self-sufficient, independent, selfish, and isolated. Uh, there's been a study done uh, in, uh, by, uh, in a book called Bowling Alone and charts the changes uh, in community life over the last 25 years. Family meals are down 33%. Uh, people having friends over is down 45% in the last 25 years. You know, in Yorkshire, um, the thing that struck me when we moved here is everyone has handles on the outside of their door um, When you live in London, you just have the lock and there 's no way of gaining entry but in yorkshire everyone 's got handles and it 's the idea is that you always have a uh, sort of a, your front door open to 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 entertain people but um Uh, Alongside the sort of the places where community happens, going down, home entertainment is actually up. Our neighbours just said to us the other day, you know, they're they're going for a night out at the casino, and so it was a big night out. But actually, they spent the first half of their evening in together, and because you can save money, you can buy the drinks in, you know, and a lot of people are doing that before they go out. You drink a lot before you go, and then you finally get out. And home entertainment is big, and uh, we live so often i think culture culturally speaking people live their lives through the tv and so you watch other people do friendships and you watch other people do relationships so even talent shows if you're watching britain's got talent at the moment and all that sort of thing what's on at the moment It is that. And the voice, yeah. If you're watching that, what they do is not only are you sort of having the highs and lows of someone performing for you, but they tell you the story of their lives, which adds to the drama of the performance. And so, again, it's that everyone is living sort of their lives through the stories of others. My mum died and now I'm singing for her. And suddenly, you know, you've got a, a massive story there. And the danger as well of Facebook and lots of social media is that you can have lots of acquaintances but no friends. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin. And I've also noticed not only is there shallowness in relationships with a lot of social media stuff, but there's also uh, the opposite happens, that you can have places where all the boundaries are removed, so people share everything (laughs) with everyone and anyone, so there are no secrets. People can see your timeline, and they can see your relational history. They can see everything about you. Proverbs 25:28 says like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control because people share so freely without control then it actually makes you immune to true vulnerability and open to hurt and abuse just like a city ready to be conquered whose walls have crumbled so you can have people that are extremely vulnerable but they don't know true vulnerability it's a very weird contrast was an article in The Guardian called Facebook's Dark Side. And just so you know, I haven't got like a, a massive deal against social media, but culturally speaking, it does have an impact on how people do friendships. And the research from this article uh, comes amid increasing evidence that young people are becoming increasingly narcissistic. So they're obsessed with... Self image, self promotion, shallow friendships. And so the more you tag yourself, the more you update your news feeds, the more you write on people's walls, the more likely, according to the res- research, you would have uh, self absorption, vanity, superiority, and exhibitionist tendencies. The people who score high on this aspect of narcissism need to be constantly at the center of attention. And so there's this dark side of social media which leads to shallowness, self-promotion, and attention-seeking, which actively works against true friendship. So people constantly changing their profile pictures, retweeting yourself, counting and comparing the number of friends or followers you have. That all feeds your own self-absorption. So I joined Twitter six, six months ago, something like that, and I'm like, looking see how many followers I've got. If someone, retweet, so, uh, someone retweeted me for the first time like two weeks ago. I was like, Pip, someone's retweeted me, you know. <laughs> and you, and, and you're, you suddenly feel like very important. And, and it's just like a little thing. Um, but you can imagine if you spend a lot of your energy and effort doing that, then it builds this sense of shallowness and sense of self. So... I'm not against all social media, but just so you know, beware, it's not all good. And it can feed idolatry in your heart. Anything you guys want to share? Over here? No? Okay. Um, John Wesley said the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Um, the Bible suggests that Christian community and friendship is absolutely vital. Proverbs 18 verse 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That was an amazing thing to say. A thousand years before the birth of Christ, we're in a culture that was rich in sort of family tradition. What was the most important thing to you? Your family, and you have uh, a proverb that says a friend is closer than a sibling. So you've got to ask yourself, why is that? Well, families are committed to you. They're loyal, they're constant, but they might not like you. Friends choose you, your family doesn't. That's why a friend sticks closer than a brother. C.S. Lewis says friendship is the least natural of the loves. So it's not biological, so a mother and a child. It's not sexual, it's not two people making a child. It's not charitable, providing for a child so it's not so much about each other but he says it's about sharing common interests and p- passion and that is why people that simply want friends will never make any and so people that just want friendship will never have any friends you need friendship is made up when two people find things they are passionate about together they're passionate about the same thing you'll never get anywhere when someone presents you your passion And you say, I'm not interested in that. I just want to be your friend. Because it's the passion, it's the interest that creates the bond. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. So it sounds really harsh, but people who have no interests are of no interest. You know, it sounds harsh when you say it, but that is the reality in friendship making. You've got to have something that brings you together. And... I think this is really important for us to know as leaders because we'll have people in our mission groups that are holed up like doing nothing with their time and they will always struggle to find deeper, meaningful relationships. If you have to ask someone to be your friend, you know they won't be. So if someone comes up to you and says, will you be my friend? You just know. know, We know, don't you, that they're never going to be a friend because the asking points to the fact that there's nothing in common to build the friendship friendship happens when two people are committed to the same common interests. what makes a friend is not will you be my friend but discovering something that draws you together so people in your mission group we're going to be true community you need to help people find those bridging points you need to we need to serve those that are lonely and are the outcast and people that have no friends there is obviously a place for that but in the long term if those people are going to develop lasting friendships then we need to help them find interests that they can share with others everyone still with me yeah so what should our friendships look like then if we believe in friendship well if you could turn in your bibles to hebrews 10 or just follow it on the sheet um i just want to spend the rest of our time in this few verses um hebrews 10 says this and let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching so let's just work through this verse 24 considering let us consider the picture here is of a counselor taking notes While carefully listening to a client to reveal her heart. Let us consider. Considering is like a counsellor taking notes. If you sit down with them and you're exposing your heart. You're considering, you're thinking how to help. You're creatively considering giving effort and focus and time and concentration. Friendship won't happen if you sit there hoping it happens to you. You must take responsibility to reach out to initiate to invite maybe the first in group situations and uh, first in group situations and then in smaller contexts but friendships deepen when you consider each other it means that you, you want the best for someone who doesn't love having friends that consider you that spend time away from the relationship thinking about you and how they can be your friend thinking of your needs, your preferences, your likes, your dislikes, and then does something about it. And it's a great way to think of your friendships that you have now and say to yourself, how can I consider my friends? We've had uh, friends come and stay with us um, in our house uh, while we were on holiday. And they considered us by asking around some people in Mosaic and saying, which uh, are the sort of restaurant restaurants do you think Matt and Pip would enjoy going to and then at the end of this day they sort of just left some vouchers for a restaurant that we'd never been to that they thought we might really enjoy and they considered us um, when my friend Nate who was my best man at my wedding, uh, sorry he married us uh, um, when we got married uh, l- being friends for 20 years he came and stayed with us uh, just for the day a couple of weeks ago and Pip did a great job in considering him. So she had bought, she'd gone to Waterstones and bought some sort of classically English or British books for his kids that are just sort of going to start learning to read. And again, I just thought that's just really practical. But it's considering, it's thinking about someone, thinking how you can bless them. Um, I had a church leader contact me uh, just a couple of months ago, and he said, oh, "I've been watching what you're doing." Outside of mosaic, and I feel like I would like to help you and serve you by just being available for you to ask me questions. Like, there's no strings attached. I'm not demanding any of your time, but I'm gladly sort of saying if you would like some advice about how you go to multi-site or how you plant more churches, and and he's got experience in that. He's just saying I'd like to help. He was considering me. Um. In days of old nonconformist churches used to have a promise that every church member would declare out loud and then sign their name alongside which was we engage to watch over each other in love. And that's considering watching over each other in love. Do you do that? Don't wait for it to happen to you first. When did you take time to consider your friends? Write them a note. Cook a meal for them. Give them a gift. Pray for them. Prophesy over them. Give them some time. Call them. Text them. Just speak an encouragement. Give them a hug. Send them an email. Smile at them. Offer forgiveness. What can you do to encourage someone? I've got a little exercise for you. Why don't you write down the name of someone who's your friend? Uh, You can be married to them. They can just be a friend. Don't let anyone else see You've got your friends near you. (laughs) And I want you to think of a simple way that you could encourage them. So what could you do? What could you say to encourage this friend? So write down their name. And then I want you just to think of how you could encourage them. Friendship is the glue that draws people together in the local church. It will keep you here long term and uh, it will give you strength if you go, that you've got good friends here and it will give you a great foundation for growth and mission. If you struggle to think of someone's name then, then that just will give you a reality check on where your friendships are at. And I realise in a church like ours then there's going to be people that really do struggle to make good friends here. It might be because you're new. It might be because you're in a different season of life to everyone else. Um, And I would encourage you, if you don't feel like you've got friends here, then don't wait for it to happen to you. Be the one that considers. Be the one that steps out. And usually that happens in group context first, and then you can sort of get down so it's just couples together or friends together but number one encourage one another number two flip over the page number two spur one another on verse 24 how we may spur one another um why didn't you poke the person next to year hard, hard as possible great Okay, that'll do, that'll do. That word, oh, I've lost everyone now, I've lost everyone. I'll tell you what this is doing, there's some people in the room that can't be the last person, that want to be the last person to poke, that's what it is. There we go, it's still going on here. That word spur in the Greek means to irritate to sharply disagree and confront. Think of a cowboy spur. And it is vital we give permission to people to spur us on. Sometimes it's really helpful to ask people that you trust to comment on your life. Uh, I know I sometimes do this from time to time with people that I've not seen for a while. And I say, look, I just so respect your opinion while you're with us. Like, if there's anything you see in my marriage, the way I treat my kids in my life, would you let me know? Uh, You know, tell me what my blind spots are. Tell me what you see. And I think that's a great question to ask your friends because you're giving them permission to really help you in your walk with with God and how it manifests itself in lots of different areas. You know, what do you see in me that could be my blind spots? How do you think that really went? in Christian circles, we love encouraging one another, and I've said to you that is good. But what we tend to be less good at is giving a bit more specific feedback and thoughts. Ask someone, do you think I could have done a better job than that? Where could I improve? What do you see in me that's good, and what do you see in me that needs to change? Um, in uh, uh, the Greek epic, the Odyssey, uh, Odysseus uh, is on his voyage home and he wants to go and see the famous sirens and these are the creatures whose songs force sailors to come too close to the island that they live on and they end up shipwrecked on the rocks that surround the island. Now Odysseus he wants to hear the song and so So what he does is he pours beeswax into his crew's ears and then he tells uh, his crew this. He says, I've decided we're going near to uh, the island. You will not be able to hear the sirens' calls, but I will. So I need you to tie me to the mast and then as you hear my cries and screams telling you to go nearer, you are to ignore me. You're simply to sail the boat close and then head for home. And I imagine there was a, a dilemma for Odysseus. For If he stayed in control of the ship, everyone would die. But if he gave control to his crew, he was at their mercy. But it was the only option for him in the story to survive the journey. And if you know yourself, if you're truly aware of your frailties, you will understand that you will never stay the course unless you've shared control of your life with others. And seriously, there will always be times in our lives where we go a little crazy, where we can't see the woods from the trees, where rocks or shipwreck threaten. You'll need friends around you that will intervene, that will spur you on, that will get you to your true home. Proverbs 27 verse 5 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What's, what's happening there is they're vivid metaphors with specific forms. So look at 5b, verse 5b and 6. There's two things that go together, open rebukes and wounds from a friend. They are good things, whereas hidden love and kisses from an enemy are bad things. So it's saying a wound from a friend or a friendly wound are words that you need to hear from a friendship that cause pain, but are essential to your growth in God and in friendships. Whereas hiding your love is just as bad as being kissed by your enemy. And in Scripture, who famously kisses their enemy? Judas. Judas. Hiding your love is being like Judas to your friends. We mustn't hide away. We must admit our need. We must give permission. Ephesians 4 verse 15 calls this speaking the truth in love. I just want to say, we've got to get better at this. Um, I speak to so many people that come to Mosaic. And after discipleship, after friendship, you get the comment, no one has ever told me this before. And I feel in Christian circles, we're so rubbish at, in a loving way, telling the truth. And I really would like us to get good at it. I first encountered Really good, speaking the truth in love. When I first got discipled, so I got filled with the Spirit, everything changed in my life, and someone came alongside me, brought me into a men's discipleship group with six or seven other guys, and I'd spent my whole Christian life hiding behind a mask because I was so scared of people's opinions. I worked out very quickly what people wanted from me, and that's what I delivered. So I was a different person to different people. And I was very, very good at that, and suddenly I was forced in a room with others that were committed to speaking the truth in love with me, and so I would share something, and they would just look at me with you know a funny look and just say that you know that's not really true, is it, or there's more to it than that. What you're saying to me or we respect that that's what you think you know at this point in time, but that's not the end of the story. There is more to this." And I saw personally how much life it brought me to have people doing that to me. And I know others in the group. So we had one guy in the group that just had a horrendous sort of sexual past that involved women and animals. And it was just stuff I'd never even heard from anyone before. And for him in the group, it was the first time he ever got to tell anyone about it. Years of shame and hiddenness and... You know, just the devil had used that sin to totally crush him on the inside. And finally, in, in, in a context of love, he was able to share what was really going on. And we were able to speak the truth in love to him and to n- sort of say, yes, that was sin. But here is the truth of your identity in Christ and all that. sort of, And we just saw such massive change in this guy's <laughs> life. Now, the trick is speaking the truth in love is to get that balance between truth and love right most christians are on the love side so we don't want to offend we don't want to be rude we don't want to step over the mark we don't want to jeopardize the relationship that's most common you don't want to say anything to ruin things you don't want to be rejected and you want people to like you so in love we don't say anything and we pull our punches whereas some people tell the truth but don't have the love element. So what actually comes out is your agenda or your personal biases or your anger or your hostility and your words become weapons and you end up destroying or disrespecting people. I wonder, what do you do? Is it truth for you or is it love? Or do you find the balance? Just write that down on your piece of paper. If you're going to veer to one side, is it love Or is it truth? Or do you feel like you hit the sweet spot in between? So the question is, how do you do it then? How do you speak the truth in love to people? I just want to spend a bit of time on this. um, And I hope you find this helpful. So say, for example, you're good friends with someone and they've done something that you just feel like you need to say something or there's been ongoing stuff in their lives and it's got to that point where you need to say what do you do well number one i'd say pray first and get your motives right so what can happen in these very vulnerable relationships is that it's an opportunity for some people to control Or let their jealousy and their own insecurities to sort of leak to the surface, and so what you get is not for the benefit of the person it 's for your benefit to bring that sense of control or manipulation and so if you feel those things in your heart, my simple advice would be leave it don 't say anything if you can 't do it with you know pretty good motives and perhaps uh, invite it into your own life first and deal with some of your stuff you are not god's vigilante so you are not like we're not here just to see everyone's weaknesses and faults and in the moment just sort of suddenly like let people know exactly what you really think and how sinful they are that's not what we're trying to do here and secondly Just balance this between God may have put a difficult person alongside you for your good, not their good. So they've actually, their issues are there, not for you to change them, but for God to change you. And so pray before you have these conversations, because there may be some other things at work. Secondly, gain God's perspective and wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. So uh, often, personally, if I'm praying for someone that I know I'm going to speak to, a lot of the time I feel, I feel things very intuitively. So it's almost like I don't quite know how I know, but I just know that something's not right. Pip, when she speaks to people, she's far more sort of prophetic. And so actually when Pip tends to meet with other women to, to have that context of her speaking the truth in love, she spends much more time praying in the meeting than I do and letting the Holy Spirit speak and letting the Holy Spirit sort of almost bring the truth to the surface and i don 't do it like that, and i don 't think there 's a wrong or right way, but for Pip that she finds that help her prophetic edge means that she prefers to do it like that. Others of you are very discerning you can discern the spirits you know almost when something's wrong and so that's your sort of guide as you counsel or talk to people for others of you it's just um uh you don't know what the actual issue is but you're very happy to ask questions to help the other person find out there's no right or wrong way of doing it but there's a sense in which we must do it prayerfully and ask god to help us as we have those discussions Thirdly, examine your own hearts psalm fifty one surely you desire truth in the inner parts. you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. So before confronting someone, it's just worth asking the question, "What about me?" You know it doesn't um It doesn't matter actually too much if you share the same issue. You don't have to be like through on it yourself. But you do need to be dealing with it. So your accountability person may struggle in a certain area with pride. It doesn't mean you have to be this perfectly humble person. But you've invited someone speaking into your life as well. And so the position is humility rather than this, I've got this sorted and I'm speaking to you. And one day you you might become like me if you're lucky. That's That's not the attitude. Examine your own heart first. Also, what does the Bible say? And so this helps it not just becoming your pet issue or preference. So I, um, in the past, I've counseled lots of people on going out with non-Christians. And that's like a very common thing to talk to young people about. Should I go out with this person? They're not a Christian and so for me do the work beforehand from the bible because my experiences on sexual issues whether it's sleeping with people where boundaries should be set who i should go out with as steve said yesterday we twist our theology to match our sort of experience and so i find it very important to go to those sort of meetings or with friends to sort of know what the bible says to be able to sort of stick to it because people can get very slippery um when they're caught up in something that feels good. And so I'd encourage you, if you know beforehand what you're going into, do a quick Bible study. Have some verses to go to. Uh, Show understanding. This is all stuff to do before you meet. It sounds a bit intensive, um, but I think it's worth just doing it in detail. Show understanding. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves each of you should look not only to your interests but the interests of others so put yourselves in their shoes ask yourself why are they doing this and you know what if you do that it will help you love instead of condemn it will give you compassion as you understand people's situations and why their past is affecting their present, or why they're making the choices they are So that's all stuff to do before you meet. Any questions about that? I hope this is okay, like going into real detail. I do feel like we need to get better at this. Any questions about what you do before you meet or anything you want to add in? Yeah, Matt. (laughs) Great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get onto that now. <laughs> Anything else you want to add um, before Yeah, Hammond. Like where and when you meet the song before now, like if you're meeting then what you're going on to in sort of limited amount of time and both things into at the moment. Yeah. Um We will get onto some of that. My hope is, the dream is, this becomes part of our everyday life. So it's not like this intense conversation that we build up this head of steam of and finally do. But this is how we should live life. That we are living in an environment where we can speak the truth in love. and almost Because when we don't do it, it becomes this huge thing when we do. And so I grabbed someone yesterday. I had two minutes to just sort of say... I just want to give you this little bit of feedback. And it was very easy and natural because I've got a bit of a friendship and I was able just to put things positively and get to the heart of the issue and we were done and dusted very quickly. And so, and that's because I've got a history of speaking the truth in love to that person. So again, it comes back a bit, we're setting a culture of things here. Um, to begin with, if you've never done it before, we're going to talk about this, but the easiest place to start is to invite it into your own life first. Oh, are you okay? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Oh, gosh. Wow. (laughs) Far too much alcohol in the break, (laughs) I think. Sorry. (laughs) Um... Mark. I know um generally within the church body uh, we're not called to um uh, to church discipline and you know public uh view that but is there any context in which um, say something said in an inappropriate comment in the middle of mission yeah. um, would it be correct for someone to go that's not right, in front of everyone or would it be like, more likely to do it afterwards? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Like how do you do your speaking truth in love publicly? I would always prefer to do it privately unless it is like really heretical or really hurtful to other people. If it's just like a character issue, far less damaging just to draw someone alongside afterwards and to say what you said there. Just, you know, why why did you say it like that? And this is what it sort of came across as. Was that your intention? That sort of thing. Haven't necessarily given them. You, you They're not in the position for them to challenge you because mm-hmm. you. It's more of a disciple role, or yeah. you're in a sense, yeah. you. are know, Essentially, further down the line, like, is there any guidance or any thoughts on, you know, do you just ask them to also challenge you, or do you just ask like one or a few people that can you just make sure you keep bringing it? Yeah, that's a great question. Very difficult to answer. I think. um Uh, if you're discipling someone and uh, should they speak into your life i'd say the posture should always be yes invite it and encourage it and um, it doesn't take a more mature person to challenge me the holy spirit can use anyone Um, and uh, but at the same time if that particular person is feeding off power over you as a leader perhaps for them the issue is usurping power and undermining then i probably wouldn't give them permission so it depends on what you're talking about but generally speaking i think it's a great posture to be doing this with anyone and uh, there's appropriateness and all that sort of thing but the attitude should be there we don't get to a certain point of maturity where only people more mature than us can challenge us. It's not, not good. Okay, let's get on to the conversation. We're running out of time. Uh, so I think the best way to go about these sort of things, especially if you've got a little bit of time, is to help them see it first rather than you have to say, spell it out yourself. If you can ask the right questions, it's far more powerful for people to be to become into an awareness. Now, I think... Often people are very aware of their issues and their mistakes and their sin. And so a lot of people don't need a lot of help seeing it. And usually people are full of guilt and shame and anyway. But if you can ask the right questions. So generally speaking, I'm not very creative. I just ask loads of why questions. So, you know, Laura comes to me and she says, I just flipped out of work today. I shouted at all my work colleagues. And I'll be like, you could stop at that point and say, well, you know that's wrong, isn't it, to do that? And um, uh, why didn't we pray now and repent for your anger? <laughs> or I could say, oh, why did you do that? And Laura's like, well, just this one colleague, she's just been on me, and on me, and, on and, on and uh, the pressure was building, and just something else happened, and it all came crashing down around me. Oh, so 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 why? What's going on with that? one person oh she is very insecure and she sees me doing well at work and wants to bring me down oh what what about the other sort of the other stuff at work why is that tough at the moment oh it's because we've got these things we're being asked to do we've not got enough time to do it all right so 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 why is that a pressure to you it's well because i feel like i need to perform for my boss i feel like he's looking at me wondering whether i'm going to do it and i feel this need to perform and say so, oh so why do you feel the need to perform so it's not very creative it's just asking the question <laughs> oh, I feel the need to perform because I'm always I always feel like older people I'm always striving to gain their attention and affection oh why is that and you just, you just keep going keep going keep going this is all a conversation we had earlier actually <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, so it, So I don't know. When the conversation begins, this is really important. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know what's going on. And I might have some guesses, but I don't really know. So just by asking a few questions and not stopping at the fruit of the sin and trying to go to the root of the sin, it's just really simple. Just ask and obviously be a little bit creative and just go, why? You know, (laughs) you've got to... Be listening actively and all that sort of thing. And listen, the reality is a lot of people don't get confused. Below a certain level, then it all becomes mushy and you don't know. And that's where you need wisdom. That's where it needs time. That's where, you know, you, you might need some others to help. Um, but don't just stop at the first confession. Um, yeah I think it's I think we can really help each other and perhaps in your accountability relationships if you have them here you can practice with each other as well so I want to get a lot better at helping you to understand yourself better do you mind if I just try a few questions and we'll see where we go and you never know that might help a bit um if if That's the conversation and we get to this point with Laura and Laura just gets to that stage where she's like, I just don't know. I mean, there's so many different things feeding into this. I love it when it gets to the point where Laura then says to me, Matt, what do you think it is? And that's like a golden moment (laughs) that, that you can then, if you do have... A feeling. If God has spoken to you, or you do have some clarity, or you do have a bit of insight. You can then say, "Well, Lord, have you thought about it's It's all to do with your mum and just that disconnected relationship you've got, or what you know, whatever." And um, I just think we can do this. You don't have to be a counselling expert. It's speaking the truth in love. It's just asking some simple questions. And there are things that need experts and professionals. But generally speaking, if you want to confront someone, I would be careful not just to go for the fruit of the thing that you want to confront. Because all that happens is they'll stop doing that thing and they'll do it somewhere else. And that's legalism. They've just modified their behavior and the heart hasn't changed. And so all the time I'm trying to get to the heart of the issue... And where I can't quite get there, then that's okay. At least you've got so far. But it's great in some situations where you do have clarity, where you can get the person to the point of asking you for advice. Then, if they don't do that, and this comes to Matt's question a little bit, it might be after you've had a bit of a conversation, you just want to ask permission. So you say it's been great listening to you and I think I might have a few thoughts for you. Would you be happy for me to share them with you? I'm not saying they're right. They're just some ideas of what's going on here. Would you be okay for me to say them? And for you to do it in a way that's gentle, that is in one sense, give them permission to say no and also isn't like really strong. So they, cause you might be, you might not be hitting the nail on the head then I, I would re- encourage you to do that. So if it's like a, a new friendship or, I don't know, a, a situation where you've never done it before, I would give them time, build a friendship, and in in the context of that, say, hey, I've got some thoughts you're, you're happy for me to share. Um, yes? Like well, yes, If you're if all you want to do is tell people about their sin but what we're saying is that friendship should include speaking the truth in love so um when i say build a friendship and then speak to them i'm saying doing it doing out of the context of friendship speaking the truth that's maybe a better way of saying it that's great and so then it's time it's it's you get to a certain point and say thanks so much that's so helpful it feels like we haven't quite bottomed this out why don't you go away and just pray ask the holy spirit to speak read your bible write you know journal a little bit and and when we get to chat next time let's try and see if we can go a little bit further into this and so it's trusting the work of the spirit in that moment so uh, i hope you see guys there's almost i can't give you a set formula i can give you principles to follow that in the moment and what i'd love is for us to give permission to get it wrong and to try and you know there'll be sometimes where you try and speak the truth in love and it doesn't come out right and then you'll have to say sorry and that will deepen our friendships because we have to practice the gospel with each other so yeah who Becky here Um, I don't know, have you heard that? But if someone's really defensive or just says you're judging me and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, a few things. I, I mean, I would want to be praying for them, that God softens their hearts. Uh, it might be a timing thing that, you, that you're unable to speak into their life in this point, And you pray they'll get to a point of openness. It might be that, um, uh, that you need to be a bit vulnerable with them first. It might be that um, you need to actually say, can you see what's going on here? And as a pastor, I see this a lot with people that move from church to church. So they'll come. Then when you need to speak into a situation, they'll just leave and they'll go to the next place. And uh, that might happen in mission group as well. You know, people go from group to group and uh it, i i would say creatively think of a way in and but you could you can't force it if, if people don't want to listen, and they'll say, "Oh well, that's what you think the bible says, <laughs> yeah, um, and so you know it's very difficult to argue against that and um uh, and so it'll just take time. Any other wisdom in that situation? Yeah. I, was, yeah. I was thinking from what you said before about going into the situation and knowing your verses and knowing where you're coming from. Is what, it's quite an important side of this, like, talking to lead or something, and it was always slipping out of something. And it came to the point where I was like, I know what the thing's wrong, but I can't back it up. It's just my opinion. If I to go, I might do there. Okay, I don't know who's yeah. They're all great suggestions, yeah. yeah, yeah, and generally speaking, the older you are, the longer it takes i there is like something that happens when people get to thirty, and uh and w- and basically, what it is is that you get set in your ways. And you lose energy because you 're usually in a season of life that's very draining, so uh, yeah, so that so if you're above thirty, then we need to have patience with you, and you need to pull your finger out um, speaking as one who's over thirty, yeah. Okay, can we just move on because we're going to take all day for this. Uh, So I think I've put give them time, look for godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow, pray that they experience God's grace and forgiveness, help them resolve the issue and give practical suggestions. So basically, I I mean, I've done a lot of men's groups in my time and always at the start of a men's group, someone will say, this is what I'm struggling with, finding this really difficult. And it's great at being honest. And then the first thing is, oh, have you thought about reading this verse or wh- why don't you just stop doing that or why don't you get rid of your TV and they jump to sort of fixing it and guys we are particularly prone at this and we just want to put things right and that I hope you see that comes right at the end of everything where hopefully someone is recognized there's godly sorry there's recognized that they need to repent they need to turn from their sin and then they say oh what could I do to change on this or what needs to happen And sometimes it's really deep issues, but a lot of the time it's just simple things like when you speak, you always sound like you're better than everyone else. What's really going on? And just try and find out the deal. And but practically, it's just say why don't you you, instead of saying you all the time when you speak, why don't you use the word we? It's just like that would make a difference. And so then you get onto the practical things. Um. Proverbs 29 verse 5, whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Instead of telling a friend what is wrong, you're setting them up for a disastrous trap later in life. You need friends that tell you your flies are undone, your breath smells, you're lying about what happens, you manipulate people. It hurts when you talk openly about stuff that's confidential. I noticed you flirting with that girl. What would your wife think? Ad infinitum. We need friends that will speak the truth in love. Okay, thirdly, good deeds. We are to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. In the Greek, this could be translated beautiful works. Do you lead your friends to beautiful works? Beautiful works can be very practical. So as a Christian, you are not above the little things. Like making cakes and putting meals in a slow cooker. You know, I can remember one morning, Saturday morning, our day off, we opened the door, and someone had put a basket of breakfast out for us. Um, Someone else, uh, I'm a little bit embarrassingly quite into baking. And so someone, as a way just to express their love for us, bought me this little um, uh, recipe book on cakes, and then bought me these recyclable muffin cases. And I was like, in heaven, it's great. (laughs) Um, Someone... In our busy busy season of life, (laughs) I can't believe it's been taped, actually. Um, (laughs) In our busy season of life, three young kids under the age of four, someone came around and washed our car. It was massive for us. Um, Someone (laughs) borrowed our car and filled it up with petrol after using it. Um, I love the fact that when someone has a baby, there usually is a meal rotor that goes out. We cook meals for people for a couple of weeks. That is fantastic. Someone just two days ago saw them post on Facebook uh, there was a pair of shoes they really wanted, and someone they don't know who bought them for them. And um, just great. That is what it is to do good deeds. <laughs> that could go horribly wrong, that as well, couldn't it? But listen, the good deeds. We do it to our friends, but we must do it to the marginalized as well. We love those the world has taught us not to like. So no matter where you're from in the world, there is a people group that you despise because that is the way we're brought up. For some people, it's travelers. For some people, it's people from certain countries. For some people, certain classes. There are always people we despise, So listen, I was in Holbeck a few weeks ago, barbecue, at the Pearson's house, and there was a lady that they had invited uh, who was a little bit messy, a little bit bedraggled, and it was just fascinating being there and seeing who would chat with her. And the reality was some did and some didn't, and I think it's great that she was in your house, but we need to get better at loving those sort of people that are totally different from us, that operate like in a totally different world and it's so impressive when you see people that just do it and it's not like they're particularly good at it but they just know that that's a gospel thing to do and as a church what i see on a sunday morning if there's anyone sat on their own 90 percent of the time it's because they're different usually different skin color to most of the people or a different background and we must not um forget to do this good deeds with people that are different from us that are marginalized really want to encourage you to do that Yeah, making a cup of tea. It's a beautiful work. It's That is it. And so we can all do that sort of thing and just encourage you. What happens is that at church you just end up in your people group. So students will stick together. Families will stick together. Um, singles will stick together. And that's natural and great because that's what friendship is about. But just as leaders, beware doing that because it's very intimidating to break into your group. And um, we must get better at even you know as we have meals together over this weekend it's great when different people sit together and you just burst out of your friendship circles the joanna girls that come to church i think it's like a mixed bag i think generally speaking they love being part of our church but it often comes to the few people that are willing to give them time and give them their energy and we love it when that happens but we must yeah we must get better at that The Joanna Girls, so Joanna is a charity that works with girls that are working in the sex industry around Holbeck. And so there's numbers of those girls that come on a Sunday. And I love it that they feel very at home with us. But there's more more we can do together because it does land on a few. Okay, lastly, we're nearly there, encouraging, let us encourage one another. This is the opposite of spurring. You've got to have both together. And so in the Greek, encourage means to give assurance, to get into their shoes. So it's saying things. I saw what you did there. We just had an example of this. I saw what you did there and thank you. This is the best talk on this subject ever because dot, dot, dot. Just being with you makes me happy. You inspire me because you should get that job. Because we must have those that encourage us. And the people that encourage us tend to be our close friends. They are like VIPs in our lives. They're a safe harbor. People you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning and it's okay. You go on holiday with them. You socialize with them. You play with them. You let your life intertwine with theirs. Ecclesiastes 4. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? This m- always makes me think of Pip getting her cold feet warmed on me when we get into bed. <laughs> but the imagery the imagery here is travellers that would have to sleep rough and they would share their body heat by lying down next to each other or it's taken from The Empire Strikes Back when Luke <laughs> is trapped in the cold and Han Solo goes out to him and cuts open his tauntaun mount and they curl up in a ball together Oh, isn't that lovely? (laughs) So personal weaknesses can be strengthened by friends who bring balance. Not everyone will be your best friend, but we all need best friends. There's a sliding scale of intimacy I've got there. So you've got high intimacy and low intimacy, and there is a scale. A few people will be in the high intimacy places and many will be in the low intimacy. You don't have to be... You don't have to have high intimacy with everyone. It's a sliding scale. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is that we are a changing community. So people are off planting, people will be off doing the gatherings, people move because of work, and we mustn't succumb to retreating to avoid pain. And so for those of you that have been around Mosaic a while, I know what it feels like. You have friends that no longer live in Leeds because they've moved away. And it's tempting to just say, I don't want to get into deep friendships again because it's too painful when people go. And I just can't encourage you more. We, we can't retreat. Um, if you've come to a dead end at all in your uh, accountability relationships or you're struggling, I think we've only got about 30. Oh, there's one for everyone. On your way out, this is a great little article called X-Ray Questions. And it's by a guy called David Powlinson, who's probably sort of one of the most respected Christian counselors around at the moment. And uh, he has given, uh, he gives an explanation of the questions, and then he gives you 30-odd questions that you can ask each other in accountability that um, are very different from the normal ones that we do uh, on our accountability sheets, which I hope you find helpful.